Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in West Carroll, Morehouse, East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. My name is Kylie Miller and I am joined with County Agents Mr. R.L. Frazier and Mr. Bruce Gardner. Say good morning guys. Good morning everyone. Glad to, to be here again on another podcast with y'all. And Bruce, glad, glad to see you here. Be here with everybody this morning. This is, a, this is kind of a special one-off for us. Um, <laughs> Dennis isn't around today. He's off in California. California. Uh, sunny, sunny, rainy California. So he's um, supposed to be out there on a soil health conference, but we're questioning whether he's that or he's off playing. Well, <laughs> I've seen the weather forecast. This is the 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 day's the thirteenth of March, so I think I think California's getting hammered pretty hard. So we, you know, there's usually four of us on the podcast. So. Um, but today we have a very special guest, and we're very honored that you're here with us today. We have LSU president and host of his own podcast, On the Par, Dr. William F. Tate. Well, thank you all for the invitation. It's great to be here. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I guess we, I want to begin by um, just uh, letting our listeners get to know you. Um, if you would, just talk about your journey to LSU. Well, that's a long journey from Chicago by way of Mississippi. And now that I'm in Monroe, my family is not was not far from here in, in Mississippi in a small town called Mound Bayou is where my grandmother was from, Mississippi. Started after the Civil War, a very small town. Anyway, um, I grew up in Chicago and um, you know, went to school in that area and then like most professors went off to graduate school. Uh, I went to Texas. And um, uh, I consider myself a naturalized Texan. I hope you all don't hold that against no. me now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, did a master's degree at the University of Texas at Dallas and uh, went on to Maryland, University of Maryland. That's where I met my wife. She had gone to Maryland and was, then was in law school there. And we moved from there to um, Madison, Wisconsin, a very big farming community, very cold, very Arctic, cold. <laughs> Arctic, but you know, agriculture is big, you know, and I shouldn't know where I went to undergrad, I went to DeKalb, in DeKalb, Illinois, it was the corn capital, they call it DeKalb Corn, you see the signs all over the oh, place, yes. mm-hmm. and in fact, when I was a freshman, we used, we went on campus and they, they had the hayride, and I'm thinking this kid from Chicago was introduced to agriculture in that environment, and it was a big deal, mm-hmm. and um you know, so going to the Big Ten at Wisconsin, Ag was a big college, and but I was doing my research, and my area was in mathematics education, and it was a great experience um, there, and I spent about 10 years at Madison. Um, then I got a phone call. My first job um, was in Texas, was actually in Texas after undergrad. I was a high school math teacher, and I was a coach. A lot of people don't know that. I did. I coached uh, girls uh, track. Oh wow! And I was a varsity coach. We had a very good team, and and I was the JV basketball coach. But in Texas, everybody has to coach football. (laughs) Every man, anyway. Every man, you know. So I. So this is this is an unbelievable story. So I go in that it's dog days of summer in Texas. Mm -hmm. I'm 21 years old, and I'm watching the field. 
And I'm looking at this field, and there's this kid who just looks different on the field. And um, I said, who is that? My God, he's flying. And it was, his name was Tim Brown. <laughs> and for those of you who know football, Tim Brown um, won the Heisman Trophy at Notre Dame. He had a very long professional career. He was in the Hall of Fame in uh, football. And he was about three years younger than I was. I got to know him really well. We hung out a lot. And um, I always tell people my father impacted him not going to Texas and going to ND because he told him to go to ND in one weekend. But that's, that's for another podcast. The, <laughs> bo- the bottom line is um, I had this really great life experience where I had no intention on being in education at all. Um, I wanted to be in, um, an economist. That's what I studied in undergrad. And then I go to Texas and coach and do this math stuff, teaching there. And I just decided um, I really wanted to stay with that field and, and did that. But that's a long-winded way of saying I've had a lot of jobs. So, <laughs> um, the journey continued, though. Um, so I spent the 10 years at Wisconsin. And then I go back to Texas because I get a phone call from some people I met when I was there before asking me to leave my job as a professor and come help run this big math and science program in Dallas Public Schools. I thought, that's insane. Why would I do that? And then um, my wife said, well, why wouldn't you do it? Like, why wouldn't you go back and help them? You've learned a lot. You're not the same 21-year math teacher. Now you're this professor who can, who's learned a lot. Why don't you go there back and do public service? So we did. We moved our family back to Dallas. And um, I worked for about two and a half years on this big math and science project to help more kids get access to math and science and engineering, actually. And then I left there and went to TCU. And a lot of people don't know I was at TCU. And, you know, I get a, a few calls now after the national championship yeah, round. Yeah, yeah, beat yeah. up pretty bad in football. <laughs> but I spent a year at TCU as um, um, in the math and engineering department in education. And then I went to Washington University in St. Louis where actually it's very important for my ag journey. Because Washington University in St. Louis, I was, um, when I got there, I was, got in charge of a big project. There was a National Science Foundation funded project in science education, including informal science ed. And we worked with, um, you know, many companies that deal with plants like Monsanto and and many other plants because we wanted people to be introduced to these ways of learning about science. We worked with the Missouri Botanical Gardens. That was a big partner. I learned a ton about plants. And so this was not my training, but it, it was really important. And then I became dean of the grad school at Washington University where we had a very, very large biology department, but the biggest part of the, the one of the biggest parts of the department dealt with sort of botany and, and more broadly plant, plant life. And that um, provided a lot of background for why I do what I do now. But anyway, I leave WashU to go to the University of South Carolina to become the provost. Um, I was there um, just for a year. A lot of people know the story. I visited LSU um, during a football game. South Carolina was playing um, LSU in football. We took a beating. Um, My brother works at South Carolina. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. So we took a beating. But... The, the bottom line was um, I ended up meeting a few people, and then I, somebody nominated me to be president of LSU, and the rest is kind of history. 
Well, we're happy to have you here. We've, we've heard you speak a few times, and we're very excited. Um, I guess, uh, so the listeners know, we're actually in Monroe today, and you're, you're doing your scholarship first tour. Can you tell us about your goals this week and what you've learned as, as you go through the tour this week? So Scholarship First is actually a real agenda. It's, it's around, uh, we call it our Pentagon to protect and secure the people of the state. Um, it's a five-point agenda, or ABCDE. It's agriculture, biomedical sciences, coastal science, defense, and for us, that's ROTC and cybersecurity, and energy. And obviously, the two biggest industries that you know here in Louisiana are energy is one, ag is two, um, you have to have biomedical science in there because of our health disparities in the state and coastal. Well, we don't exist if we don't take That's care right. of that coast. We're the, we are the um, <clears throat> second largest distribution system in the country. And with our energy sector and ag sector, in my opinion, Louisiana is the most important state in the United States. We should be treated as such, but that's a whole nother. We're very oh. competitive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's a whole nother. Yeah, that's a whole nother. You don't have a U.S. without Louisiana. Right. So um, that agenda is pretty set in stone. But what we wanted to do in this tour is to go community by community and understand better um, what we could do to add value and um, then add that to our strategic planning process and then begin the process of executing that plan starting in the fall. So it is a listening tour for us as well as a sharing tour, if you will. Very good. Um, kind of a little bit off of that was, you know, the last five years we've been doing this and it shocked us the other day when we really looked, we've been doing this for five years. We've had all kind of guests on there from Dr. Bill Richardson, former VP and director of, uh, or dean of the College of Ag to the current interim Dr. Matt Lee, to we've had Dr. Rogers Leonard, Dr. Mike Selassie in their roles under Dr. Richardson, and all of our specialists and out-of-state specialists. You know, we try to reach out and get where we can get to get the best information for our people. Uh, but so, <laughs> I kind of had to throw this in. I told Kyle now I was going to do it. We've had all these guys, but today we got the top tiger with us. <laughs> <laughs> Might not disagree, but I mean, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, the top tiger will. <laughs> and um, I've been with the Ag Center 30 plus years. Okay, and in that 30 plus years, I've never heard the president of the university system mention the word agriculture. It's been like we've been just kind of pushed off to the side. Nobody acknowledged us, and we've never heard it. And I, in my humble opinion, the most of the people have forgot that LSU is an A&M college, Agricultural Mechanical College. We've been actually pushed that far back. I want to thank you personally for mentioning agriculture, bringing us back to the forefront. Heard your comments there a while ago about ag and all that we need to be doing. And, and we just want to thank you for that. And you've already talked a little bit about your Pentagon, which is kind of where I was going with this. So, but again, what do you see for some of the agricultural programs down the road in the next few years? What would you like to do or what do you want us to do? Well, I, I, I think that, and first of all, thank you for your remarks. I appreciate them. The key to me is, and we, part of our tour, we went to our historical roots, you know, in, in Pineville. And I think sometimes people forget to look back and pay attention to how they were established. Mm -hmm. And the a and agenda 
And the agricultural mechanical agenda is foundational to the university. And so ag has to be prominent in that. And to me, um, you know, and I don't know if you all know, we took a tour of some ag schools. Did, did, did they talk to you all? Did they, so, no. this, uh, so let me start with that. So I initially said ag needed to be really important. And then when I was reading the history books about LSU, back when uh, almost 100 years ago, they, that is the leadership of LSU, took a tour of ag schools across the South. And just to see what they were doing to get some of the best practices, to build relationships, and then come back. And, and they really emphasized agriculture as being central to the university. So we replicated or did a tour ourselves. And we visited uh, North Carolina State University. We visited the University of Kentucky. Um, where else have we gone? Um, I'm missing one. They're going to be mad at me. We're, we're thinking about Georgia. Yes, the University of Georgia. They had just won a national championship. <laughs> never, <laughs> never, ever visit a university the week after they win a national championship. You will never hear the end of it. Um, but these folks were very kind to us. And each school is different. So let me share just quickly. Sure. Yeah. So Georgia was special for this reason. Um, the University of Georgia, by law, was not allowed to have engineering departments because... Georgia Tech was the engineering school in the system. So Georgia being the clever SEC school they are, and, and skirting the rules a bit, <laughs> built engineering into their ag program. So they have very strong technological emphasis on ag. And what we took away from that, in that touring, was, okay, how strong is our ability to use AI and computational science and things like that. And do people in extension have access to that? Are they trained? Are they, do they have the technological tools they need? This is a huge question. And, and so Matt, you know, when he became the interim, I said, hey, let's find out how well we are in that part. So that was one important lesson from the tour. The second, um, when we went to Kentucky, Extension was a big deal in Kentucky, and they had a very much a biological approach, not just to thinking about food, but in thinking about human health as well. And they linked everything in that they were doing, so the strong genetics base, and also gut health was really important for them, so understanding how food was interacting with the gut, which is a big part of things that are emerging in science right now. They also had a very strong connection between their vet area and their ag area. And raise questions for us. Are there things we can do with extension that deals with human health to help, help be better in that way? Is there a way to think sort of ecologically about the body and ag? These are all big questions. And could extension be used, for example, we have cancer disparities. Could extension be used as a central place to be communicating things that would lower our cancer rates? I mean, so that would mean the medical schools would need to be involved with extension. But you never would think about that unless you've done these kind of tours, right? right? And then um, uh, NC State. Wow. Okay. They are big ag schools. Oh boy, <laughs> that I left there just feeling like we have so much to do. So um, because they've invested a lot in their physical infrastructure. Um, they had a, a like an ag innovation environment where 
they were doing research that was cutting edge, but it was very much connected to extension. And they worked really hard to make sure that was happening. But NC State, like Georgia, is a very strong engineering school. So they had great interface between their engineering school and their ag school, and they actually were gonna expand that. And so the couple things from that was, do we have the right physical infrastructure to be the best we can be? Do we have relationships between engineering and ag? And that was, you know, sort of the, some of the takeaways. And I want you all to know, and you know, your listeners to know, we, we're really serious about this. So we've been working with the legislature how do we get everything renovated? How do we get better physical infrastructure? What kind of faculty supports do we need to help people transition if they need to learn some new skills? Who are new people we need to hire to order to add new value? So it's extremely important. Um, and I think one of the numbers I saw that was really impactful, um, Matt was sharing, like the grant proposals have gone up over the last year, you know, in exponential fashion. Now, I don't know if it's just because we're mentioning ag now, but I'm thankful to y'all because the reality is the more grant money we get, the more we can leverage the legislature, the more we can get private donors. So we just want this thing to get cooking on all cylinders so that ag can be what it should be. And I think, and I've said this and, you know, now I'm going to say it publicly. I mean, I think we should have the number one ag program in the country, and we need to fight to get there. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm committed to making a run for it. Good. You know, Doc, you you, you mentioned extension, and that's we're extension professionals. Yes. And, and it's, um, where do you see the, uh, the role of extension in the future? Because you, you, you touched on a couple of things that are, that are, that are kind of revolutionary, um, but it, I think personally it falls right in line with what extension is. It's to take that research that is developed in that research institution and then take it and push it out to the public. Um, what are your feelings on, on extension and the future for extension? So this, this is why your first question you're asking me about telling me about my background was important. So my first academic job was at Wisconsin. The Wisconsin idea is a very simple one, is that the University of Wisconsin should touch the lives of every family in the state of Wisconsin. Basic concept, right? Well, how do you do that? Well, in Louisiana, it's with extension. So to me, the role of extension is to touch the lives of every family in the state of Louisiana. And how do we do that? We can help them, of course, um, in terms of, we can help the communities develop their economies. Agriculture is a big part of that development. We can help the communities scientifically with providing the supports they need in the field to develop the, the, the ag economy. We can continue to do the wonderful things you do with youth in, in, in our state, we can even add in what, what I alluded to earlier. What if we had a randomized control trial dealing with cancer disparities that ran through extension? No one's ever done that in this country. And I think that the possibilities are only limited by our vision and ability to work together. The, the reality is um, extension is the most powerful tool we have in the LSU system. There really isn't anything more powerful because you are actually living with the people in community 
And the whole point of this tour is like we want to listen. Who else is going to know everything that's going on in the community? It's the extension officers, 100%. So we've got to find a way to make the feedback system work. I can't take a tour every week. <laughs> so maybe I need to listen to your podcast, but we've got to find a way to have a system where you're able to communicate with the leadership in agriculture, and that communication is codified and taken seriously, and then we use that to build programming that's going to add value in the communities, because you are the most powerful tool we have. They don't have that at Tulane. They, can't, they will never have it in the UL system. None of, Southern is the only one that has one, and we partner with them. My point is, with a, this is the most distinctive feature of higher education we have in the state. And we ought to use it. All right. Well, we, we always, we start off light. We like to kind of finish light. Um, you're on par. This is your podcast. I'm assuming you're a golfer. I try. I'm not very good. Um, you know, uh, I started back taking lessons last year because I started playing with some people here who are really good. And, you know, um, but and it worked, actually. There's something about working with an expert to help you clean up a mess it's called a golf swing. <laughs> and um, so the scores are going down a little bit, but I have a lot more work to go, a lot more work to do. I had to take a little bit of time off because of an injury, but I'm back at it now. And Well, the, the, the question, I have two questions for you. <laughs> You're on a par five, 610 yards. 610, I wouldn't be playing at 610 yards. <laughs> That right there, I'm going to move up to the ladies' team. <laughs> so, we may move up to the team. Going up to the whites and the okay. black teams, yeah. You know. Slight dog leg right. Slight to the right. Okay. okay. Um, water, water hazard about 275, 280, cross them. 275, okay. okay. <laughs> it's a five, par five. Okay. Par five. Yes. Do you lay up or do you lay real? Um, after so this is a great question so before yeah. <laughs> before my little injury I probably would have made an effort with the driver to get over to 275 but t today um, I'm going to lay up I'm probably going to take I'm going to take I'm, you're not, not gonna be this. I'm going to probably take a 6 iron I want to go about 200 yards I got 75 yards now to get over, plus some, and I don't, I don't know where the dog leg is, but I'm going to line up so I can, the second shot is going to get me onto the next. Get around the curve. Yep, that's what I'm going to do. That's, right. And that's what I should have done before the injury, but I'm stupid. Can I be in the tree somewhere? Well, right? the, or do you, or do, you play, do you play a second one from the, from the green, yeah. from, the, from the tee box? Yeah, yeah. All right. you got it. 172, par four. Par four. Lane one, 172 to pin. Yes. What club do you pull? 172 to the pin. You know, I, I, I believe I can get a six iron 172, but I probably going, that was again before the injury. I'm probably gonna use a five iron because that would be the smart play. And I can put that ball in, in front of, in the front of my foot and go up high so that I can have a little more spin. I could probably pull that out with a fire right now. So 
So there you go. That's, that's, <laughs> that's something we don't talk much about on our podcast. No, but it's a very good. I mean, it's, it's a good question um, because you, know, you, you can you can tell a lot at least from talking to somebody about, about asking about their golf game, and that tells me that that you're cautious, but you're not you're not afraid to chase. Yeah, I'm gonna go for it. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad y'all know what you're talking about. <laughs> Which, though, Dr. Tate, in, in, in my career, I'll, I'll touched on it. I've, I've been with Axe for 20 years. Um, I come from a – we all take different paths to the county agent chair. Just like you. We, I mean, I, I, I actually worked on campus. I was assistant director for IT for that. Wow. Um, and now I sit in the county agent chair. Um, RL came in from the, from the private sector. Yep, I was in ag retail for 10 years with an animal science background out of Mississippi State. We, we like Mississippi. <laughs> and I'm a product of Extension. I grew yeah. up in 4-H. I mean, these guys were my county agents. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was huge into showing livestock. And um, once I finished my career, I started as a research associate on the station. And I've been here ever since. So I've been knowing Extension her since she was nine years old. The 4-H program is to lead one of America's best youth development programs. I would have never known what kind of person I could be if it wasn't for that. Yeah. So. So, so we all come from different backgrounds. Even though I came with an animal science background, now I'm doing agronomy work. <laughs> you talking about a learning curve. So it, that's what I say. We're diverse. We come with all different backgrounds ourselves. And but it, it's it's heartening to hear. You know, it gives us heart to, to, to know that we've got somebody at the head of the, the organization that has a vision for ag. Um, we live it. Our DNA. I mean, I'm the probably a fifth or sixth generation farm farm family um, all of us are uh, it's it, it's in it's who we are um, and, and we do what we love um, some somebody said asked me years ago why didn't I go in the private sector said, you got you got IT background you go in the private sector you can you can do whatever you want to do anywhere you want to go um, you go to Atlanta and, and, and work in IT in Atlanta and I said you know if, if we all leave there's nothing left um, you touched on something in remarks before. My daughter graduated from LSU in the spring of, tw- of 20. She was the graduating class that didn't get to walk. Broke her heart. Yeah, it was tough. Um, and she's, she lives in Memphis now. And when you said to bring kids back, that touched me. Because I would give anything in the world to get my daughter back into the state working in Louisiana. But she's a talented young woman in Memphis working and teaching. And that's, you know, so you, some of your comments really touched home for me. Um, I think all of us, not just me. Um, and I appreciate the hard work that you're doing. Um, uh, Dr. Dr. Lee made the comment, said yesterday was a long day for y'all. So it was a 5.30 to 10 o'clock last night. It was, but it's invigorating. You know I mean? They keep asking me, I mean, you tired? I'm like, you don't get tired of listening to people about what they're passionate about. You, you actually get energy from that. Because passion is just, it's a, it just it moves you. And, so, and if I could talk to Kim Mulkey for five minutes, I'd be so on fire. I'm telling you. got to come out to the game on Friday. Uh, you know, I'm so excited for it. <laughs> At least watch it. Well, I don't know if it's going to be on TV or not. It might be. But Kim Mulkey is the best. And um, she represents, you know, everything that we're trying to get done at LSU. Bringing the most talented people who, who may have started in Louisiana and left. Get them back here and show your talent here. 
why not Louisiana? Well, I'm excited about baseball season this year, too. I'm, I'm already planning my trip. My baseball team here. hits the ball like it's a softball. Right. <laughs> 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 Well, we don't want to keep you much longer. We know you've got a big week, um, but we really appreciate you joining us today. Um, uh, we're truly honored. Go ahead. Yeah, Bob. I wanted to say one thing just for Dr. Tate's information. Yep. I wrote some stats the other day on uh, our podcast. We're currently reaching 23 countries, 50 some odd cities within the state within the United States, and. Got what the how many viewers? It's 4,300. 4, we are on YouTube. We do, do some YouTube work too. Um, about 4,300. Um, no, 4,300 just for the row rise. Yeah, about 9,000 views. So, and that would be a good question for you. How do you feel like social media and all of that's going to make a play into achieving everything that we would like to achieve with extension? Well, I think social media is a very powerful tool. You all laid out some great statistics. You know, if you look at the statistics for social media, for example, at athletics at LSU, it's unbelievable. You know, that game against Florida State, um, you looked at the number of viewers when we played Florida State. I think it was number one that weekend. And you looked at the social media engagement. Um, and if you looked at the social media engagement related to football or uh, even, I think Kim Mulkey's team is the number two team on social media oh, engagements in the country. Yeah. Um, we know that this tool helps people to have a chance to get information. Um, it's been it's democratized the spread of information. I mean, here you are with your great numbers. So I do believe that social media can play a role in extension. It should be a big part of it. And you're a living example of how your extension into social media is now, you know, providing greater access to important conversations. Nothing makes us feel any better. If we pull up to a farmer, he steps out of that tractor and says, hey, I was just listening to your podcast. Wow. And that's, and that's, that's happened to us. And that's, you know, the farmers nowadays, the old windshield farmer is practically gone. What we call windshield farmer, the one that rode around the truck, never done anything. The owner is now driving. Right. So he can listen to the podcast, whether it be ours, yours, whoever, get the latest, most up-to-date information to help him, you know, without even having to leave us. Y'all want to end with a little bit of an update on some crop planting we situations? Probably, we probably need, if you, if you feel aware with this thing, we, we're, we're early this year in our, in our corn planting. Um, I actually passed a, a producer this morning that was trying to slip some corn in the ground. Um, on this cool morning, March 13th, uh, this morning it was in the 40s here in North Louisiana. I think they're actually forecasting some spotty frost for tomorrow morning, which will be the 14th. Um, a lot of yellow corn out there, guys, right now. Don't sweat it. Um, corn's going to be yellow. Um, we've had some, in North Louisiana, we've had a couple inches of rain. Ground temperature dropped down, cooled off. Uptake, nutrient uptake on our corn is going to slow down. Um, so when you see that yellow corn, don't, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. Um, I've got, I saw the USDA report yesterday. Louisiana was reporting 78% planted corn uh, statewide. So we're um, we're well on our ways. We're that was last week. That was last week. That's this Friday. We'll be a hundred percent. We're we're done. Yeah. I mean, in our area, we've pretty much the the crop is in. Um, some people have even started planting soybeans. So, um, you know, if it's pretty weather, they're working. They're trying to get out there to do something. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you all again for everybody. Um, remember, we're here to innovate, educate, and impact lives. 
So as you need things, need anything from us, reach out to your local local county agent office. Um, thank y'all for listening. Yes. Thank, thank you, Doctor Tate, for being with us. Oh, thank you. Our, our rambling. <laughs> yeah, I look I look forward to listening to your podcast. Thank y'all. Thank, thank you. you. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com website or contact your local extension office.